Can you sail under the command of a pirate? Or can you not? You don't listen, do you? I don't think you ever really hear me. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created. It stuck with me. I kept coming back to it, just trying to figure out where in the world we had gone so wrong that it had ended up here. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your Huckleberry. Why, Johnny Ringo? You look like somebody just walked over your grave. But it's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? We're not here yet. Failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. You don't tell your pappy how to cut the electorate. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communication. Oh, you're yeah. not at the time. Are you not at and welcome to the Pirate Professor Podcast. I am your captain. And I guess that was kind of a sort of an arrogance. For, I am your captain now. This is your captain speaking. I have not yet gotten used to doing this stuff. But the only way to get better is to do more of it. And so we're doing more of it. And so hopefully you're along for the ride and not hating everything. So, so that's where we are. So today's episode is going out for my, or going out to my business and professional speaking students. It's a strange thing to have a, uh, technically a public speaking course online, um, where, you know, it doesn't necessarily, it seems, it, let me rephrase that. Let me back up. It used to seem stranger than it is now. Um, the current state of the world um, has sort of said, you know, um, maybe learning how to talk to people over computers uh, isn't that far-fetched. And in fact, maybe it's, it's more practical to learn how to speak to people via computers and microphones and webcams than it is standing in front of an audience in a, a room uh, because especially in the business world these days this, this is becoming more and more of a reality of you know basically just how things get done uh, especially in our current world of um, covid the what i expect to happen from a lot of this is that we're going to have some pretty fundamental changes in the way things happen uh, it's just simply because we have been required as um, a species, really, is a uh, is to develop the technology that allows us to do this stuff and then uh, 
and then use it and then eventually what's going to happen i think is this is going to become more of the norm um because it sort of kind of pushed people over the hump like you find like a lot of businesses who didn't want to do things where they let employees work from home you know because they had a lot of preconceived notions about you know would it work or would it not work and the time that we're in now is pretty well forced them to do it whether they wanted to or not and then you know for whatever anxieties they had or problems that arose from it they've had to adapt and adjust and do the things necessary to make those better uh and so whether that's technology whether that's training whether that's whatever it is then great and then you know from the employee side you know like it's actually um some people miss the social interaction of of uh going into the office but I tell you, as someone who has to drive an hour to get to my quote-unquote job, it saves me a lot of money not having to go to work. Um, I'm not spending as much money in gasoline these days. I don't spend as much money on food because um, I, you know, I'm stay at home and I cook. You know, I don't have to. I didn't go out and buy new school clothes this year because, well, I'm mostly just sitting here by myself. And nobody cares. I'm currently teaching, wearing a pair of old cutoffs and a uh, cutoff jeans and a uh, t-shirt, you know, with a bandana on my head, head to keep the, uh, you know, my hair in check. It's not exactly what I would call professional wear, but if you can't see me, what difference does it make? You know, this is just where we are. So, and imagine uh, some of you guys are, you know, you're still in your pajamas at whatever time of day and you're just doing your thing. Um, the other side from the business side, business, like the owner boss side of things is, um, I suspect there are going to be a lot of places that figure out that it's actually cheaper to let their employees to work at home because they don't have to maintain as big of an office space and they don't have that infrastructure cost. And so there are just things that are going to change. Now, I don't think everything's going to you know stay the same. I think you know there will still be places where you go to work and you do things kind of as you always had. You know, because some places are just, you know, they need people there if they're going to function. Um, like a restaurant, for example. Uh, you can't cook from home if you're, um, you know, running a restaurant. But if your primarily job, primarily your job is, um, I guess, more of white collar style or you're, you're more, you're, you're working from a computer. Um, then, yeah, things are changing. Things are changing pretty rapidly. Um, actually, this weekend, I spent a little too much time. Oh, I didn't spend too much time. I'd been spending too much time uh, staring at a computer. And so I took the weekend off, gave my eyes a break, and just went out in the mountains and got a lot of bug bites and had a good time. And now I've got some itchy spots from mosquitoes and ticks and all other blood-sucking parasites that got me. But I saw some cool things. So that's pretty much all you can really hope for. Today, dear class, we're going to talk about communication anxiety. This kind of goes back to our original thing about, well, is it does it make sense to have a speech class online? Um, kind of because of the way things are now. Um, and, you know, with 
with us, um, I'm, the, the chapter is chapter six in your book and it, it gets into other things. It's like, it's communication obstacles. And they talk about anxiety, technology, and other communication obstacles. Honestly, I think they, they try to cram too much stuff into one chapter. It's kind of all over those, the map. But what we're going to talk about today is primarily communication anxiety because this is the biggest thing that I've seen um, hang people up in this world just simply because they, uh, I've seen pe people just lock up. Um, we'll touch on the other stuff, but a lot of that is stuff that you've already been told. Um, I'll go over it a little bit, but we're not going to spend too much time on it. So the question is, do you get nervous uh, when you have to get up in front of people and talk? What kind of audiences make you more nervous than others? Uh, in my old job before I was teaching, I used to have to do a, quite a bit of public speaking. I would I would travel around the country doing training in front of large groups of people. Sometimes I would do go to conferences and talk, you know. Um, and the audiences I spoke in front of, you know, ranged from, you know, five to ten people to, you know, a thousand. And I've actually discovered that I find it easier to talk to really big groups of people than I do small ones. And I think that's true for a lot of people. And, you know, some of the worst people to talk to your, are your peers. So whether or not you're giving a big speech at a conference somewhere or you're uh, kind of taking the lead in a uh, staff meeting, you know, these are these are all uh, these are all things that people uh, may or may not want to do. Some people love to get up in front of people and talk. And a lot of people just don't though. They they it gets hit they get hit with sort of this overwhelming amount of dread um, because they just sort of feel like they're not up to the task for you know whatever reason. And uh, so so we're going to talk about that anxiety. We're going to talk about adrenaline, and we're going to talk about walking into place or imposter syndrome and walking into place. Feeling like you're a loser before you ever open your mouth. And with that said, we're going to lead off today with an old song from the 90s. Back, loser. We'll be back with the lecture here in just a minute. in the dark, saving all your fruit, stand for burning down 
shove the other in a bag with the rerun shows and the cocaine nose job. The daytime crap of the folk singer's love. He hung himself with a guitar string, a slab of turkey neck, and it's hanging from a pigeon wing. But get right if you can't relate. Trade the cash for the beef, for the body, for the hate. And my time is a piece of wax falling on a termite. It's choking on the splinters. back and let's keep going so where are you in the whole world of communication anxiety like does it make you nervous do you do you get edgy or do you just don't care um for those of you who get a little bit nervous it's okay it's also it's pretty natural because you know being on it Honestly, getting up in front of a bunch of people is not exactly what we'd call a um, normal um, thing for a human being to have to do. But, you know, it's the thing that we do. So uh, most of us don't find ourselves standing in front of huge audiences giving, you know, those big motivational speeches like a general in front of, you know, his army you know it's just we mostly live kind of quiet lives and we you know our conversations are more personal in nature or with a you know a few people and so when we get into those worlds it's it's, it's not what we would just consider um kind of a normal behavior so um what do you do about that well the thing that's kicking in is what we just simply call communication anxiety and you've got two different kinds of anxiety. You've got situational anxiety and you've got trait anxiety. The majority of people are dealing with a situational anxiety because, you know, you can talk to somebody and they, you know, and, you know, in kind of your average world and you're okay with it, but you certainly get in specific environments and then you sort of lock up. Um, 
for whatever's going on, you know, you just sort of lock up in that world. And then you've got trade anxiety, which gets a little bit deeper. Uh, these are, you know, people that are, um, you basically established that they're, they're not going to do a good job before they even try. All right. And we can get it. We'll get into that too. Um, when I first started teaching years and years and years ago, one of the first classes I was I would teach was, was this class for one, and then I would teach a, a, a public speaking class. And one of the things that was really sort of taken by is how bad the anxiety got for some people. You could you could see it like at its worst, I had you know at least in one case. I had a student who physically couldn't get out of his chair to get up in front of the class. He just couldn't do it. And, you know, eventually we just kept working and working. And, you know, I sort of took it on my job with him with is more of a coach than a professor. And by the time it was the class was over, he was able to do it. Um, I had another student who she would literally get up, give a speech walk outside and throw up these are not things that you kind of want to uh this this isn't the way you want your life with and you know and, and in her case she is now a teacher and so she gets in front of people every single day and talks um now where i've seen it actually become a little bit more pronounced in the past few years is you know with the 15 years ago, you know, text messaging was kind of sort of just considered the bottom feeder of communication. And, you know, most people still spoke on the phone or spoke in person. But now since we've moved more and more communication into sort of a text format, then it's even worse. Um, you know, because people just aren't used to talking to people. So what's going on there? Like when you let's let's talk about situational anxiety. You walk into a different place, uh, and certain kinds of environments just sort of like creep you out. You just you you enter it into a sense of dread. Um, what's going on? One of the things that's going on from a biological sense is your moving into a fight or flight uh, scenario. Remember what I said, this is kind of, it's not a normal thing. And so your body doesn't really necessarily know how to deal with it. And so that fear um, kicks in something that's a bit more primal in all of us. Now, I remember watching um, students give speeches and some of them, um, especially if they're kind of fair skinned, you could really see this. They would get up, they would be nervous, uh, and then you would watch them start giving, you know, a speech and maybe they stumbled and maybe the class, you know, giggled a little bit or something. But as they were up there, maybe their anxiety got worse and worse. And then one of the things that you could really see um, was it physically on their, their face. You could, you could see their armpits get sweaty, which is kind of gross to be honest. And then you could see the, the thing that was most pronounced, I remember, was if you could see the person's neck really clearly, uh, very often what you would see is that red splotches start to start to appear on the neck. And they're just sort of, it's red, and then they grow. 
and then they grow and then they start connecting and then the next thing you know their whole face is this sort of red flush thing so what's going on there because you're you're obviously in a safe place you're not going to get killed there's no lions in the room there's nobody with you know there's nobody coming after you so why do we have this response well it's because we're going to that fight or flight syndrome and you're getting an adrenaline push your body doesn't know exactly what's going on it just knows it needs to defend itself in some form or fashion and the thing about when you get nervous is you stumble over your words some um you feel like you become clumsy like do these things sort of resonate with you like you 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 can't think clearly you stumble around um you know fingers just kind of don't seem to work very well again this is um your body's biological response and so what what's actually going on and this happens in a lot of different scenarios is when we go back to the fight or flight you get the adrenaline dump for one and the other thing that goes on is if you get into the brain you've got your forebrain versus your midbrain in your day-to-day -day world your forebrain is taking care of the lion's share of stuff it, it is your analytical brain this is the brain that allows for critical thinking this is the brain that is also responsible for fine motor skills well if you are prehistoric you and you are trying to escape a lion that's or a bear that's coming after you your body doesn't necessarily need fine motor skills or think clearly what your body needs is really strong muscles and a, a reactionary um, mentality which means you react more than you think like you know something jumps out you see a snake and you jump it's a reaction you're not thinking about it you just do it and that is the world of the midbrain so your critical thinking skills or your forebrain your kind of primal big motor skills so it's arms legs not fingers and reaction these are uh, your midbrain world so what's happening is you're getting nervous about being up in front of people and you're getting that adrenaline dump and your body is shifting gears where it wants it's putting more of um, the focus on the midbrain the problem is all of that stuff that's going on you don't need to be able to run really fast if you're giving a speech you don't need to be really strong because of the the uh, adrenaline like you don't need any of that stuff you don't need to be reactionary what you need in that moment is good calm critical thinking skills and um you know dexterity because you know sometimes you're using if you're flipping pages or whatever you need to be able to control your body at that moment you need to be calm and collected and in control and what happens though is if you get nervous and all the other stuff is then you do fumble upon your words and then what you, you create the self-fulfilling prophecy which you do screw up and then you're like see i told you i was terrible at this and it just kind of it snowballs into you know a series of disasters or it can well this is one of the things i figured out kind of early on that if i could get people where they were calm getting up in front of people then the rest very often took care of itself 
Um, because if you were able to get up there and were and you were able to override all those kind of you know fight or flight symptoms, then your brain worked a lot more um, rationally, and you, they and students by default did a better job. And so that's what we did. And so if back in those days, I used to carry around this backpack, and it was just full of ridiculous things, mostly toys. Um, but really they were absurd things and i would say all right here you go here's a thing you know here's a plastic moose i need you to tell us a story about this moose for the next three minutes and three minutes can be a very long time when you're standing up in front of people and i have students who still you know tell me how much they hate me from those days but the truth of the matter is they got better as a result of that so once we got them over the hump of being nervous in front of people then everything but everything got dramatically better all right so how do you do that first thing i'm going to do right now is take a drink of water all right so if you're managing situational anxiety and this stuff's in your book first thing you do is just prepare um, whatever you're going to be talking about, don't just jot some few few notes down and then walk into a room and hope for the best. Um, go in with a plan. Go in knowing exactly what you're going to talk about, and you know, think it through. One of the things, especially if you're giving a speech, one of the things I always uh, consider is what do I want my audience to go home with? Like what, what is the key thing? What are the key points that I want them to go home with? You know, what thing am I trying to accomplish? It doesn't matter how many funny stories I tell or whatever bad, you know, jokes I tell or whatever it is, you know, if they're not going home with the thing that I set out to do, then it doesn't matter how charismatic speaker is. They, they didn't do their job. So I think, all right, this is what I want them to go home with. And then the next question I ask is, how do I get them there? And typically I, what I do is I structure it and start working backwards. All right, if I'm going to get them there, it's kind of like a roadmap. Then they've got to go here, here, and here to get there. So we do that. Um, but if you don't do any of that stuff, if you just sort of walk in and you're just sort of half-assing it and you're and then you you don't know what you're talking about, then you're really relying on those critical thinking skills that you may or may not have in that moment. When you're standing up there with the deer in the headlights sort of look, and you're just like, I don't know what I'm going to say next. See, that can be problematic. You don't want to do that. All right, so the next thing is, once you know what you're going to talk about, like I don't, at least in this day and age, I don't write out a speech where I just sort of read this, the entire speech is written. I guess that that is one way to do things. If you're going to, I guess if you're going to do a formal speech, that is the way you do it. You know, a lot of like when presidents go on and they speak in front of people, but they're, they're using a teleprompter. You don't have a teleprompter. At least I wouldn't imagine you would. So what I do is I just kind of break it down as I know what I'm going to say. And these are the points that I want to hit. So I'll make just sort of, really basic um, note cards. If I'm teaching, I'll, I will do PowerPoint, but my PowerPoint isn't super in-depth. It's usually just kind of talking points, and really all I'm doing with that is putting my note cards on the screen. It's just kind of keeping me on track of what I'm supposed to be talking about. 
So prepare, put something together so you can have, you know, your talking points handy, handy. That way you don't miss anything. And then the other thing is before you go in, just warm up, give yourself a chance to warm up, like physically warm up your voice. Uh, speaking is actually fairly exhausting if you do it uh, for any extended period of time. Uh, you talk to a lot of teachers or people who have to just get up in front of you because you're kind of, it's not just that you're talking that you're on. Like you have a, there's a thing like you're, you're sort of creating this persona of who you are while you're, it's, we just call it being on. You're, you're just sort of on. And especially if you're kind of introverted, you're faking all that. Uh, if you're extroverted, a lot of times that persona is just kind of who you are as a human being and you feed off of it. But if you're the introverts that I know, and I'm one of them, when you get done with a day of doing stuff like that, you're basically exhausted. You just, you just sort of collapse. You know, when I was in the, on the road doing it, I would, I would talk all day. And usually the other presenters that we would all go out to eat after, you know, we got done and then everybody would just go to their respective, you know, hotel room and just crash because you're just, you're exhausted. So warm up, warm your body up, get, do a little physical exercise, whether it's doing some squats or whatever, just make your, get your body going. Um, and also get your voice going. Just practice, you know, like singers, you know, sing scales. You can do things, you can say things, practice tongue twisters. Uh, one of the things that we learned when I was learning all this, it was, it was a phrase. It was diction is done with the tip of the tongue and the front of the teeth. Say that again. Diction is done with the tip of the tongue and the front of the teeth. Learn how to say things that are a little bit, you know, tongue twisty and uh, see if you can get through it. Okay. Now here's another one. So that's just sort of basic prep. Like you've got your, you got your junk together. You've got your, um, like you've got your content together. You're physically ready, but you're still kind of nervous. Uh, here's something that you can do. This is called isometric breathing. And I actually learned this in a couple of different places. I learned it learning to speak, but oddly enough, but it makes perfect sense. I also learned a variation of this when I was a police officer and they would, but they called it combat breathing but it's exactly the same thing and it does exactly the same thing um, for the same reason. So remember I said, you're all, you're all hyped up. You're excited. You got a big adrenaline push. The thing you need to do is get in control of all that. You need to get in front of this. And by the way, this is also a great way to cure hiccups. I'm telling you, there's this, this is the, the side thing. So it's a deep breathing exercise and what you do is you breathe in to the count of five. And when you hit five, you should have as much air in your lungs as you can possibly get in there. So you just inhale one, two, three, four, five. And then when you get to that five, you hold it for five seconds and you hold up. So you inhale for five seconds. You hold what you have for five seconds. This is harder than it sounds. And then when you get to the end of that, you exhale to the count of five. So it's inhale one, two, three, four, five, hold it one, two, three, four, five. And when you get done exhaling, it's just the opposite. You should try to be pushing every ounce of air you have in your stomach or your lungs out. 
So when you inhale, you're trying to cram as much as you can in. Then you hold that for five seconds and then you exhale slowly. And when you're done, you are again trying to get all the air out. And then once you hit five, then you hold it again for a count of five. So at this point, you're like literally just kind of holding your breath with nothing there. And then you start it all over again. So you breathe in for five, exhale, or breathe in for five, hold it for five, exhale for five, hold it for five, and then breathe in for five again and just start the process over. So this is a slow, deep breathing exercise. And what that will do is it will help you override all these other things going on. It'll, it'll help override the adrenaline punt, uh, push. Uh, if you've got anybody who's a deer hunter out there who, um, and this is what they would treat for combat uh, breathing. So if you, what they would call buck fever. So you see, you know, whatever the animal is, and then you get all nervous and your hands start shaking. That's adrenaline. That's nothing but adrenaline. And so this breathing exercise will help you get in front of that. So remember, breathe in for five, hold it for five, exhale for five, hold it for five, breathe in again. But you got the, the trick is getting as much in as you can, holding it, getting it all out as you can. And that will also with the hiccups, because you're, you're, you're having muscle spasms when you have hiccups, it will help you get in control of that. It Sometimes it takes a while. Um, you know, it takes a few rounds, but... You'll eventually get it and you'll calm down. I've actually tested this um, and I've actually, it'll slow your heart rate down. So I've, I've checked my own heart rate when I started it versus when I, I finished. Yeah, you're in my heart rate. will actually slow down while I do it. So try it. Promise it. it's, it's worth it. It will relax you. Um, all right. So that's the deep breathing part of it. Now, if you're just getting store started, um, start out by just saying and talking about something that's going to relax you in some form. A lot of people will tell, this is where you'll, they'll still, they'll tell a story or they'll tell a joke. Basically they're just sort of walking in and putting their toes in the water and Hey, this is me. I'm funny. You should like me. Like that's the thing that they're doing right at the very beginning is they're telling something that's going to relax them and the audience. They're coming in and going, Hey, you should like me. And this is why. That's basically what there's going on. I'm a, I'm an okay person. I'm going to entertain you. I'm not going to be boring. These are the things that you want to do. And then you want to concentrate on meaning. This is what I said, you know, I start at the begin at the end and kind of figure out what it is I want to leave my audience with. And then I work backwards. One of the things you really need to consider in this particular point is why should anybody care about what you have to say? And if you're trying to find the point of what, what it is you're doing up there, that's it. And if you want to make sure that people stay engaged with what you say, then that's what you need to do. Just ask yourself the question, why should I care? Or why should they care? Why should anybody care about what I'm about to say? And then focus on those things. Uh, visual aids, if you want to use um, PowerPoint or you know whatever, if you've got things you know, if you're doing a product demonstration, then you're probably going to have the product or whatever the thing is and just use it and help. One of the things is that gives your hands something to do and it gives people something else to focus on besides you. And if everybody's not staring right at you, 
that sometimes take the pressure off too. Use positive energy. The book just goes on and on and on about positive energy. And basically what positive energy is, is you're trying to visualize everything going right. Um, and that's a good thing. Um, it, if you read it, sometimes it sounds kind of hokey. It's just like, oh, this is just sort of help, you know, self-help stuff. I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and people like me and all of this stuff. Or I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Um, what you're doing is just the opposite of what somebody with a lot of high anxiety is going to be doing. Uh, they're constantly telling themselves how everything is going to go wrong exactly how they're going to screw this stuff up and what the opposite of that i mean so what you want to do is the positive imagery is you're trying to create a self-fulfilling prophecy and the self-fulfilling prophecy basically is something that you repeat enough to yourself that it actually comes true and this can be positive or negative so if you're constantly telling yourself how you're badly you're going to screw up then chances are you're going to screw up. But the flip side of that is if you're constantly telling yourself, Hey, I'm going to do a really good job and things are going to, and this is why I'm going to do a good job. Those things eventually come together and will also create a self-fulfilling prophecy, except it's on the full side uh, or the positive side, um, which kind of leads us to the other side of anxiety, which is trade anxiety rather than the situational trade anxiety is sort of the belief that, you know, there's no possible way that you're going to do this, right? Like you're a failure right out of the gate. And this is, I see this a lot these days with students for whatever reason, I don't pretend to understand exactly why. Um, but there's sort of this belief that ah, there's just, I'm not any good at this and I'm not going to do any good at it. And so why even bother? And then again, you create that self-fulfilling prophecy. What I'm the best way to get past that is just, you've got to get out of your own head. You have to sort of become conscious of when you're feeding yourself negative information about yourself or what you can do. Like if you're constant, if you're look at your thoughts for negative words, things like can't, won't, you know, all of these things, you can tell they're the negative, negative language that you're using to describe things. And one of the things you see kind of from a like cynical type people is that they use a lot of negative language in their kind of everyday life. They're always talking about how the, the worst side of things and not necessarily looking at the positive sides on how things could go right. Now the side of this, you know, this can go, you can go too far in either direction. You can be sort of, you know, just sort of a bubble gum. Everything's great. And you just sort of overlook the negative, which is too far the other direction. Or you can always be just sort of morose and you're like Wednesday Adams and you're just constantly talking about how things are awful. We don't want to be that person either. So what I'm telling you is get out of your own head, practice getting out of your own head, start thinking about how often you use negative language on your own self-talk when you're talking about, you know, when you're that voice in your head, that's talking sort of make start mental notes of like, how often you're leaning toward the negative rather than the positive. 
And then we just start building it up. And again, if, you, if you're following along in the book, this is where it just keeps going on and going about positive imagery. And who does it? Athletes do it. Musicians do it. People right before they go on stage, they do it. Um, I've seen this a lot. You know, if somebody's going out on stage, um, whether they're a musician or a comedian or whatever, one of the things that they'll do is to get out of their own head is they'll put somebody else's music on. Like they'll put on headphones, tune everything out, and just they have like that song that they play that gets them amped up and it gets them ready, gets them wherever they are. Um, so kind of maybe find that for yourself. Now, that's wrapping up the, tech, the uh, anxiety side of stuff. The book keeps going on about other communication obstacles. And basically, I'm just going to sum it up. It comes to this. In the digital world, there's stuff out there that says things about you. Uh, specifically in the world of social media, you know, there is stuff that you're putting out that may get in the way. Um, and it can be everything from, let's just say you're really like you're, you're super rabid on Twitter or Facebook and you're super political and, or maybe you like to troll or whatever it is that you do. Uh, let's just say you're super political. Let's just, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, you're very political and you've had very strong beliefs and you have a particular candidate and you're always posting stuff out there about that candidate. Now, and that's great while you're in college, but if you are in a workplace and you're working in sales or you're working for somebody else, um, there's only so much that your boss should really be able to have to say about your political views, but you may also have clients and customers who have strong political views that may differ from yours. And if you're pushing stuff out there that runs contradictory to them and you know your politics outside of outside of your own working world like you can have a perfectly fine relationship with somebody in person but your politics are going to polar opposites and people tend to write things that are far more inflammatory online than they would ever say in person uh, and you so you may turn off somebody as a result of that you know you may turn off a potential client or a potential customer and you know you may be like well that's fine well, maybe be fine for you, but it may not be fine for your boss. So keep these things like what what is your social media presence saying about you? And think of this as a potential like somebody who doesn't know you rather than someone who does. Like what are they what might they think about you from what you write? Um, you know, in the old days when we were talking about this, one of the things we used to talk about was tattoos as well. Like if you've got tattoos all over you, what is you, it's fine. I have tattoos. I've got ta I've got a lot of tattoos. Um, but if I was going out and looking for a job, I'd probably cover them up. If I'm being honest, um, just from I'd wear long sleeve shirts, just so nobody, you know, when I'm doing that job interview, that they're not gonna notice that. Of course, if they followed my social media, you know, they'd probably already known they were there. And that's just kind of the way it goes. So you sort of have to make sort of these decisions on what you're gonna do. Um, do you have a LinkedIn profile? What's it look like? Does it look like any of your other profiles? That's one of the things that's funny. People's LinkedIn profile versus like their Facebook profile are almost like two different people. So keep those things in mind and just sort of, if you're getting ready to get the job, go into the job market, kind of think how you're presenting yourself. Cause you know, you want to get the chance to have that first impression without somebody making up their mind about you before they, um, have a thing, you know, before they decide that, you know, oh, 
she's got a nose ring. Oh, that's just too bad. I thought she was a nice girl, right? I heard, I heard a couple of 70-something-year-olds this weekend. Oh, I just can't believe they got a nose ring. Well, it's generational. Who cares? Well, you get to decide if you care. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week. So we've got some assignments this week, so make sure you check Blackboard. And I'm going to take you out with some positive energy. And this is the Black Eyed Peas. I got a feeling. Let's paint the town. Paint the town. What's up?
shut it down. Shut it down. Let's burn the roof. And then we'll do it again. Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, and do it, and do it, let's live it up and do it, and do it, and do it, do it, do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, do it, do it, do it. Here we come, here we go, we gotta rock, easy come, easy go, now we on top, feel the shot, body rock, rockin' don't stop, round and round, up and down, around the clock. Let's go.